Hello everyone, welcome back to the Knowledge Group podcast where we're taking a forward look at what speakers are covering at upcoming Knowledge Group events. This time we're turning our attention to the South Dakota versus Wayfair decision and your business in the evolving sales tax landscape. The event's going live Tuesday, March 19th, running between 12pm and 1.30pm Eastern Standard Time. More information about our panel and the event itself will be found in the description box down below. When you look at the description box, you'll see the code PODCAST25. That code gets you 25% off that first webcast registration. Our panel's going to be composed of Richard Crame, a director at the National Nexus Programme at Multistate Tax Commission. Charles Miniacci, a director of regulatory analysis at Sovos, will be second, followed by Richard Fry III, a partner at Buckingham, Doolittle and Burroughs LLC. Let's turn things over to them and hear what they're going to cover. Hello, I'm Richard Cram, the director of the Multi-State Tax Commission's National Nexus Program, which includes a multi-state voluntary disclosure program. What uh, I'm going to go over with you are the uh, uh, tremendous amount of legislative activity that has taken place among the state legislatures since the uh, Wayfair decision of last June. Uh, First, we'll go over the... uh, states that had economic nexus laws in place uh, right around the time the decision came down, and then uh, go over those that have enacted statutes since the Wayfair decision. There's also several states that have enacted, uh, put in promulgated regulations or published notices implementing economic nexus, uh, similar using the Wayfair economic nexus standards, uh, 100,000 in sales volume or 200 transactions. And then uh, this legislative session, there's been uh, several additional states that that have uh, have bills pending that would enact uh, economic nexus if they didn't already have it in place. Some of them are also tweaking the uh, thresholds that they may have previously put in place through notices or regulations. Uh, we'll also talk briefly about uh, uh, click-through nexus and uh, cookie nexus and the, and the notice and reporting statutes that were put in place prior to the Wayfair decision. These are probably going to slowly become out of date. There are a few states that are even uh, re- removing those requirements from their laws, but uh, generally everybody is following the lead on the Wayfair economic nexus. And then finally, I'll finish up with uh, going over the uh, legislative activity involving uh, states putting in place requirements for marketplace facilitators to collect on all the sales that they facilitate over their uh, marketplace websites and platforms. There were about 10 states that had uh, statutes putting that requirement in place uh, in 2018, and that's going to increase this year, pretty much uh, the balance of states that didn't already have something in place have legislative uh, initiatives introduced this year that are going through the legislatures, and I'll pro- provide an update on uh, where those are at at this point. There's probably going to be some more activity uh, throughout the re- remainder of this year's legislative sessions uh, conclude. And then finally, just a, a word or two about our multi-state voluntary disclosure program. So I look forward to visit, visiting with you further about that. Uh, hi, everybody. My name is Chuck Maniachi. I'm the Director of Regulatory Analysis here at Sovos. 
by way of background, I've been in the sales tax business for about 15 years, and I'm certainly excited to present um, with some of uh, my fellow sales tax experts uh, in the upcoming webinar. Uh, what I'll be looking to talk about uh, during the webinar is maybe focus in on some of the details and some of the nuances that could trip up a business trying to become compliant with the new economic nexus standards. So I'll be delving in a little bit and mentioning, for example, where across the country uh, states have enacted uh, a different standard than the 200 transactions or $100,000 in sales, which seems to be the most common. I'll also talk about uh, some of the little tricky nuances in the way the standards are articulated. For example, in some states they're connected with an and, meaning 100 transactions and, um, or 200 transactions and $100,000, or they may be connected with an and, uh, uh, 200 transactions, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, let me start again. <laughs> hey everybody, uh, my name is Chuck Maniachi, I'm the Director of Regulatory Analysis here at Sovos. By way of background, I've been in the uh, sales tax game for about 15 years now, and I'm really excited to be presenting with my fellow experts on uh, the further business impact of uh, the Wayfair decision. My component of the presentation is going to focus first on some of the really subtle nuances that exist in Wayfair economic nexus standards across the country. So for example, while in most states, the uh, creative standard that says uh, 200 transactions or $100,000 in gross sales, there actually could be some nuances. So for example, in, in a handful of states, instead of saying um, 200 transactions or $100,000 in gross sales, they're actually connected with an and. So you have to meet both requirements to, to, to be captured by an economic nexus standard. Then there are other states that don't use that standard at all. They may have a standard that says 100 transactions or 300,000 in gross sales, or they may have no number of transactional standard at all. I'll go over some of that. Um, likewise, um, there are varying types of standards to determine when you cross the threshold. Is it, do you look at the current or preceding calendar year or do you look at the last 12 months or the preceding 12 quarters or some other standard? But finally, um, there is no unanimity on how you count the number of transactions. Do you count all sales, gross sales, or do you count taxable sales or just taxable and exempt sales or taxable and exempt sales for resale? I'll go over some of that. Um, further on, I'll talk a little bit about what some of the states are doing to make sales tax more manageable in terms of simplification. As you know, South Dakota is a member of the Streamlined Sales Tax Initiative, but not every state is. Uh, and some states are looking actually to live up to the, um, the gauntlet that was, that, was, um, that was thrown down by the Supreme Court in saying that, that part of uh, allowing taxation of remote commerce is making sales tax simple. So I'll talk about what some, some states are doing in an attempt to make sales tax more simple. And then I'm just gonna you know, sort of end by throwing up a, a couple of questions and maybe a discussion points amongst our colleagues 
They're talking about like what may be next, what's yet to shake out, and where could we be seeing states provide more detail in the future. Hi, my name is Rich Fry. I'm a tax attorney with Buckingham, Doolittle, and Burroughs in Northeast Ohio. And I'm going to be talking about kind of what we've seen the landscape develop into over the last six months or so when registration um, has become more widespread. So now, obviously, clients have been uh, registering and beginning to collect tax, but I've seen many in, uh, encounter um, issues uh, that are ancillary to the sales tax collection. So uh, a couple of those in particular are um, where w the burdens that are associated with compliance in the non-streamlined sales and use tax states, some of which don't even have centralized collection. Um, additionally, there's a high burden with respect to service providers, especially software as a service, which is treated very differently amongst the different states. We've also seen uh, some of the larger states act in this area uh, with New York um, indicating that it is going to enforce an existing law. California and Texas uh, are going to begin enforcement of new laws coming in 2019, uh, and Florida is also considering uh, pending legislation. And then finally, I'll discuss what other obligations, what other state tax obligations uh, often arise after registering for sales tax collection and whether or not businesses are also going to be uh, obligated to file income or business activity taxes. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Knowledge Group podcast. Don't forget information about our panel and how to sign up for this event will be found in the description box down below. You'll also find the code PODCAST25, getting you 25% off that first webcast registration. We look forward to seeing you at future Knowledge Group events, and until next time, take care. Bye now.